Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climatwandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Belgium is a federal state that consists of regions that exercise their powers autonomously. And in Belgium, agriculture is a regional competence. Therefore, each region has its own strategic plan on the basis of European legislation according to its own needs, issues, challenges and goals. Emmanuel Escarnot is an agricultural policy advisor to the government of Wallonia. And what she explains to us is unique in Europe. Belgium is the only EU member state to have two strategic plans under the common agricultural policy. A Flemish strategic plan in the Dutch-speaking northern half and a Walloon strategic plan in the predominantly French-speaking southern half. Belgium holds the rotating presidency of the Council of the European Union for the first six months of this year. It's an opportunity for us to take a fresh look at Belgian agriculture and specifically at eco-schemes, measures proposed to farmers in the new common agricultural policy to encourage them to go even further in sustainable practices. What are the priorities of Walloon and Flemish agriculture policy? How are eco-schemes experienced on the ground by farmers? And what about farms straddling the language border? That's our topic for this 40th episode of Food for Europe. And to set the scene, Mark Blondiot, a programme manager at DG Agri, is joining us in the studio. Hello, Mark. Welcome to Food for Europe. Hello. Thank you for having me. You are yourself Belgian. So what place does agriculture occupy today in Belgium? Farms in Belgium cover 45% of the country. Permanent grassland and cereal crops account for more than half of this agricultural land. Belgian agriculture is no exception to the current trend observed at European level, which shows a decrease in the number of farms and a concentration of land and means of production. In 40 years, the agriculture sector has lost more than 68% of its farms. The average area per farm has tripled from 12 hectares to 38 hectares today. Behind these federal statistics, what differentiates Walloon agriculture in the south from Flemish agriculture in the north? The average area in Flanders is smaller, 27 hectares. In Wallonia, it's 58 hectares. In the north, farms are more specialised in livestock, horticulture and potato cultivation. In the south of the country, agricultural land is more oriented towards cereals and beet crops, and there are more extensive growth areas, mainly dedicated to cattle breeding. And to talk about organics for a moment, 12.2% of the Walloon agriculture area is organic compared to 1.6% in Flanders. In this podcast, we're focusing on the eco-schemes introduced by the new CAP. What exactly is an eco-scheme? 
This is a new direct payment intervention focused on climate, environmental and animal welfare objectives. Farmers receive payments for good agriculture practices that go beyond the requirements for EU agriculture subsidies. Agriculture uses natural resources to produce our food and therefore it's important that it also contributes to the preservation of these resources as well as to the protection of biodiversity and climate action. While the implementation of eco-schemes is mandatory for member states, farmers' participation is voluntary. They can choose whether or not to commit to implementing practices that are beneficial to the climate and the environment. Mark, let's have a listen to some of the reactions to eco-schemes that we've received from farmers. First, I headed to Esbe, an especially fertile region of Wallonia, near Liège, an hour's drive from Brussels, to discover a case that can only be found here in Belgium. Emmanuel Escarnot? Emmanuel Escarnot, whom we heard right at the beginning of the programme, invited me to meet her in mid-January on the Fastré family's farm. It's Thomas Fastré, the son, who welcomes us in the snow. Hello, welcome to Villers, to the Fastré père et fils farm. We're bringing you the snow, huh? Come in, come in, it'll be better here. I ask Thomas Fastré to tell us about his farm and his business. We are on a mixed farm, so we have cattle breeding, we have beet crops, cereals, potatoes. We are in the Esbe region of Liège, on the linguistic border with Flanders, so we straddle Flanders and Wallonia. On our farm here, we have six hectares in Flanders and 124 in Wallonia. It's a peculiar but far from unique situation, which comes, as you can imagine, with its share of complications. So we have to adapt to two different farming laws. We take the more restrictive one and then we cobble together a Belgian-style compromise. It's at least twice as much work because there are two regulations. There are two declarations of surface area. It's French on the one hand, Dutch on the other. Sometimes it's not easy. It's a shame that Belgium has to have two strategic plans. It would make more sense to have a strategic plan that deals with the land rather than administrative boundaries. As we visit the farm, a discussion begins between Emmanuel Escarnot and Thomas Fastré. It's a frank and lively exchange in which each one listens to the other, expresses and explains their point of view with the help of acronyms, figures and technical references. It's a kind of coded language for the outside observer that goes off at tangents. But back in the office, I interrupt them to focus the interview on eco-schemes. The Walloon strategic plan includes five eco-schemes, the long-term land cover scheme, the eco-scheme environmentally friendly cropping, the eco-scheme for the reduction of inputs, the eco-scheme ecological networks, and the permanent grassland schemes conditional on livestock loading. There are two types of eco-schemes, the first which consists of compensating for the loss of income and additional costs for the farmer, and the second, in fact, aims to pay for 
the ecosystem services provided to society. In Wallonia, 25% of the budget of the first pillar of the CAP is used to finance eco-schemes. The first pillar concerns direct payments and eco-schemes. Of the five eco-schemes available, we have set up three on the farm. So we worked on long soil covers, we worked on environmentally friendly crops, and then we also worked on permanent grassland related to livestock. We first encountered eco-schemes in 2022, in a rather vague way. So at the administrative level, we had some difficulties because we had information in dribs and drabs from the Walloon region, from the agricultural unions. We were on something of a wild goose chase all year, but we assume that in the future things will be easier. The new cap entered into force in January 2023. Emmanuel Escarnot, how did the Walloon government communicate about eco-schemes to farmers? In November 2022, the Walloon Minister of Agriculture organized a tour of Wallonia to present the new cap to farmers. The agriculture portal, which is the website of the administration dedicated to agriculture, presents information on all these eco-schemes. For each eco-scheme, we provided the details. Who is eligible? What are the conditions? What are the specifications? This was posted online in December 2020. And then the external directorates also helped farmers to complete their acreage declarations from February to April 2023. And then the administration has been constantly updating the agricultural unions of the changes we've put in place to help farmers set up these eco-schemes. Next to me, Thomas Fastré listens, his face showing some doubt. And what did you think of it at first, Thomas? Qu'est-ce que c'est ça What's that? <laughs> All the efforts we have already made so far have shifted to the conditionality of the cap. Conditionality is a set of rules that must be respected in order to obtain aid. It's more and more conditionality, more and more regulation, and there comes a time when you have to say, stop, what I've done is good enough, and not always having to do even better. I recorded this interview a few days before the start of the farmers' protests across Europe. Thomas, what obstacles did you have to overcome in setting up your eco-schemes? Legislation. What did the Walloon region mean by long coverage? Was crop residue good? Was untilled soil good? I'm thinking of the last beets, for example. This year, beets were harvested until December 20th. It's complicated after December 20th to go and sow something so that it can be present on January the 1st, because it must be present from January the 1st to February 15th to be included in the long cover eco regime. And therefore, all late harvests due to the capricious weather of this year, 2020, well, it was complicated. I think that by 2024, I won't be at 90%, but rather 80% coverage, because the last harvests have been more complicated. However, the results of one year of eco-schemes in Wallonia seem to be rather positive. Overall, in Wallonia, we are quite satisfied with the way farmers have taken up eco-schemes. We were pleasantly surprised. I think that farmers have understood that it is in their interest to enter these eco-schemes because, in a way, they have a financial advantage. And then we tried to put in place practices that will ultimately increase the productivity of their farms in an indirect way by improving biodiversity or that kind of thing. Before leaving Thomas Fastré, I asked him about his experience with eco-schemes on the Flemish side. 
In Flanders, we are not too aware of the eco-schemes, at least even later than in Wallonia. And so we didn't put anything in place as an eco-regime in the first year in Flanders. So we'll see for 2024. I hit the road again, back to Brussels in heavy snowfall. The sudden wintry weather will force me to content myself with remote interviews on the eco-schemes of the Flemish strategic plan. I want to know how the Flemish approach differs from the Walloon approach. And to tell us more, we're joined by Belinda Klot. She's in charge of political coordination for the Agency for Agriculture and Fisheries within the Flemish government. Hello, Belinda. Welcome to Food for Europe. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. To begin with, can you tell me how many eco-schemes have been set up in Flanders and what they're about? Yes, in Flanders we have uh, 13 eco-schemes, but some of these eco-schemes have different actions within one eco-scheme. They are covering a lot of topics, soil quality, water quality, biodiversity, also um, climates, for example, stimulating of... um, buffer strips of precision farming, of organic farming, crop rotation, mechanical weed control, permanent grassland. How have you communicated all this to farmers? Yeah, we paid a lot of attention to communication and information and training activities. What we also do is we foresee a user-friendly application form, a single application form, where parcel information is pre-printed, where there is also a user interface for parcel drawing with relevant map layers. And we also have an app, a geotech photo app, in which the farmer can uh, search for extra information on his parcel. So we try to uh, make it as easy as possible for the farmers. We heard earlier from a farmer whose farm straddles Wallonia and Flanders, and he told me that he'd been informed too late about the eco-schemes in Flanders to subscribe to them. The concept of eco-schemes, it's new, So the farmers need time to get used to it. But in general, I think it's a positive story because it's it's something which can give some results. But the first year was was difficult because it's new. uh, We have to get used to it. And Flanders choose to have a quite broad range of eco-schemes, which makes it maybe more difficult to see the overview. But on the other hand, it has a big advantage that there is an eco-scheme for almost every type of farmer. And the result is also that 80% of our farmers are participating in one or more eco-schemes. So it is successful in a way, but now we have to communicate further to increase even more the uptake. Belinda, thanks very much for shining a light on eco-schemes in Flanders. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Now, to get an idea of how the introduction of eco-schemes was experienced in Flanders, Belinda Cloat referred me to Jonas Le Maire. At the age of 26, he's the president of the Grüne Kring Association of Young Farmers and Horticulturalists in the Flemish Brabant province. Like Thomas Fastre in Wallonia, he works in mixed farming with his family. Hello, Jonas. Welcome to Food for Europe. Hello. uh, Thank you for having me here. So how many eco-schemes have you set up on your farm? I use 10 eco-schemes. It's a very good system to implement uh, sustainable techniques on the farm. And a lot of the eco-schemes we already do because we're trying to do a bit of soil quality, 
So that's nice. We can have an extra financial help to do this ecoshim. But there are also ecoshims we didn't do. So I think about uh, mechanical weed control. But now with uh, ecoshim we tried it. You can learn because you get uh, financial help uh, to do it. So what you're telling me is that you didn't wait for eco schemes to make your practices more sustainable. We use a lot of cover crops to improve the soil quality and the soil life. We stop ploughing for three to five years and we see better and better soil quality. So we try with better soil quality to reduce the artificial fertilizer on the field. But we don't go organic because the demand of the organic market is, is a little bit limited because the consumers don't pay for expensive foods. So at the moment we, we stay uh, conventional, but we use uh, a lot of uh, organic uh, techniques uh, on the farm. From what I understand, there are 13 eco-schemes in Flanders, some with different areas of application, compared to five eco-schemes in Wallonia. How have you and other farmers in your association responded to this wide range of choices? In the beginning, the list of eco-schemes is, is quite extensive. It takes a lot of time to know all the eco-schemes, to look which eco-scheme are suitable for your farm. Not every eco-scheme works on every field, so... On our farm, we have 130 fields, so it's very big work to look what ecosystem works on which field. We invest a lot of time in that, but the ecosystems are very good. But then, after that, when you get a control from the government, you have significant administrative burden. So, Ali, that's the big problem, the administrative work around the ecosystems. A lot of farmers didn't do the work. As a representative of young farmers and horticulturalists of Flemish Brabant, what is your assessment after one year of eco-schemes in Flanders? Well, the opinions on this matter are dividend because many farmers found this system beneficial because of its flexibility. When you say I do nothing, that's your choice and it's okay. But for many farmers it's a very complex system with a lot of administration, like I said. The main issue I hear from other farmers is primarily the administrative burden, also the control after applying the uh, ecoschemes. But regarding the use of ecoschemes, most of the farmers are positive about it. Thanks very much, Jonas Lemaire, for coming on the programme. Thank you, my pleasure. We're back in the studio with Marc Blondiot from DG Agri. Marc, both Belgian farmers that we spoke to there, Jonas Lemaire and Thomas Fastre, told us about the administrative burden being imposed upon them by these new elements of the common agricultural policy. What's your response? Yes, it's a topical issue and we're thinking about it. The balance between monitoring the proper use of public money and the administrative burden is not easy to find. And this balance is still being thought. There will always be a need for an element of supervision. The task now for us is to reflect on the useless, superfluous checks and also consider the checks that can be replaced by modern means. I'm thinking about computer applications 
applications and management systems that make it possible to lighten the administrative burden for farmers. For example, by not asking to provide information you've already provided, there are several avenues and we are thinking about it. Some European agriculture ministers have embarked on this path. This is work that we will do with the member states because it's the member states that carry out the on-the-spot checks. Obviously, they are done in response to our request and for the purpose of applying the regulations. So it's a work of reflection that we have started and that we will continue. Overall, support for eco-schemes appears to be quite strong in both Wallonia and Flanders. I asked my interlocutors how the system could be improved. Let's listen to Thomas Fastre's suggestion. It's not always the calendar that defines our daily lives. We don't do agriculture according to dates, but according to the weather and the land. The earth, like the animals, is alive, and so we're not sure that each year will be the same as the previous year. Sometimes we play a bit of poker on certain decisions. If we crushed the cover crop on the 14th of the month because it froze on the 14th and it was easier to crush then, we should be allowed to do it on the 14th instead of waiting for the 15th just because the calendar said so. Marc Blondio, why not be more flexible on the deadlines of eco-schemes, taking into account the realities of farming and not just the calendar? We understand that the deadlines imposed are sometimes not compatible with the weather that farms have to cope with. We try to take farms' concerns into account when analysing interventions. Discussions are being held with the member states to see how interventions can be improved and to take into consideration the practical aspects of implementation. And obviously, for eco-schemes, farmers need to buy in, since, as I said earlier, it's not compulsory, it's voluntary. So the eco-scheme has to find this balance between the requirements, the amount paid, and obviously the farmer has to find his way around as well. Thanks a lot, Marc Blondiot, for your contribution. So, to recap, eco-schemes are voluntary practices that can be adopted by farmers with the aim to make farming more sustainable. For our food, the environment and the climate, in return for financial support. Belgian agriculture is a regional competence. Wallonia and Flanders therefore each have their own eco-schemes. In Wallonia, as in Flanders, the pitfall remains the administrative burden for farmers, but support for eco-schemes is generally strong. And in your country, do you know what eco-schemes are offered to farmers? Why not ask the farmers you encounter on your next trip to the market? That wraps up this 40th episode of Food for Europe. Thanks to all my guests for their contribution to this podcast. We'll be back in two weeks for another programme, and we look forward to your company then. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. The climate change affects ever wider parts of the world. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 